Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to Third Eye Awakening. This is a podcast all about spiritual and psychic awakening where we talk about things like the shift from 3D to 5D consciousness, the nature of time, space, the universe, the multiverse, multidimensionality, starseeds, the Akashic Records, all the things. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I appreciate you so very much. All right, let's get into it. Hey, beautiful beings. Welcome back for another episode of Third Eye Awakening. I am your host, Amy Belair. Before we get started, if you want to create me on Instagram, you can check me out at thenorthstar.love. And if you like what we're talking about here on the podcast and you'd like to be part of an interactive community, then come join my free private Facebook group called Soul Space. Just send me a request and I'll add you. I would love to have you there. After Killian died, I was in a state of grief and darkness and despair that I can't properly describe. And yet, through the darkness, I was still able to connect with him I couldn't connect with him from the vibration of the darkness. It was too low. It was, there was too much pain, but I couldn't, I also couldn't, like I just could not spiritually bypass that pain. It wasn't possible. It wasn't possible. Like I, I had to feel it. And I knew that I was honoring the way that he was affecting, he had affected my life, the way he had changed me and alchemized my heart by feeling it, by letting those waves wash over me and feel like it felt suffocating the darkness and the pain. I cried sobs that scared me. They, they were coming from a depth within that I didn't even realize was there. And yet when that, when those waves of pain washed through, I let them wash over me completely. I knew I had to, I knew there was, there was no other way. And I knew, at, at least for me and my experience of it, to, to do anything less, to try and avoid it or sweep it under the rug was like a terrible dishonoring of his presence in my life at all. And if there's anything that I'm sure of is that I don't regret him in any way. I will take the pain. When I had that thought that it's all worth it, for the honor of being his mother, oh, I meant it and I mean it. I mean it now. Just to have him is truly worth this level of pain because I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough to take it. 
But that being said, in that first year, I truly felt suicidal. And it was the love of my family and Alex that kept me here. But above all, it was Francis. And that, like, he didn't ask for any of this. And I could never do that to him, ever. I'm so, I'm constantly amazed at the people who have had to live through this kind of a loss, who don't have older children to keep them. It, it just felt like I just, I, I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about, about any of this life anymore. I just wanted to be with him. I wanted to follow him. And it felt like the idea of leaving this body seemed so easy. Just go, just, you know, just um, flip the switch, so to speak, and, and just go and be where Killian is. But I, like I said, I couldn't do that to Francis and have that impact on his life. So it was truly darkness, but it, it was also darkness that it just was worth it to have him at all. To lose something is to have something in the first place. And for me, the having of him is everything. It's everything. And I, although as you can hear in my voice, when I really am thinking about it and talking about it, it still deeply hurts. It also overall feels like I haven't lost him though. He's not God. He just doesn't have a body anymore. It's just the body that didn't work was the body that had to be let go. But I have a son named Killian Xavier Alexander McClellan, a mighty and powerful being with the power to completely transform my life and my heart. Because he came to me so shortly after he, he died, within hours, with that feeling and imagery of a helium balloon and the message of, thank you for letting me go, thank you for setting me free, I knew that he was still there. And I knew that I could find him. And when he did that, it, it, it's like he... He lifted me up in that moment with him. I couldn't go all the way, of course, because I'm in a body. But he lifted me with him into the vibrational frequency where he exists. And in doing so, he introduced me to that frequency, showed me that it is what it is, what it feels like 
and therefore like basically set the bar and I don't mean in terms of a goal but like let me know where I had to get myself in order to find him and I couldn't be there all the time of course I couldn't be there all the time because of the pain that I was going through but there were times there were lots of times actually that I was able to get there and that just became my goal was like you know feel the devastation because it's real but whenever you get a break from it because we always do there it's like waves that crash over over you and then they they always recede and then and sometimes it feels like they're just one after the other and you can hardly catch your breath but eventually they do recede and you do get to catch your breath a little bit that is what grief is like and whenever I was able to catch my breath for long enough I would set my intention to get to that vibrational level so that I could find him I didn't even realize at the time how big of a gift that was like he's such a generous little being he he spared my uterus and he he just he he's given me so much he's given me so much So another thing that happened too was that I I continued to pump breast milk for a number of weeks after he died um because it it just felt like a way of continuing to connect with him. I donated a bunch of it to the hospital where he was born and first lived for babies whose mothers couldn't produce any breast milk or enough breast milk and they have a a human milk bank project but i also um i also would sometimes water it down and offer it to the plants particularly like plants in sacred places for me and that was one of the effects of that it was so interesting the the combination of constantly reaching for my son and reaching for that place where i could find him while he's in spirit and that vibrational level plus the offering of my my breast milk which to me is like a gift that and that i can produce it is like it was a it was a um a substance of the highest vibration because it was all produced with the most love the most love and offering that to plants in and the earth and places that feel sacred to me seemed to attune me to 
plant consciousness in a way that I had never. I'm not really a plant person. Even now, it has receded somewhat because, you know, I've focused on different things and it's not my natural gift. Um, but it, it attuned me to plant consciousness and the subtlety of plant consciousness in a way that pff, I didn't even know was possible. I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know about the intelligent spirit of plants to that extent. It's hard to explain in words, but it felt to me like certain plants, especially of the... So, so I would just water, with. I would just offer my breast milk to... Um, plants that I found beautiful that were growing in the wild. So one, for example, is called, oh my gosh, I can't even remember what it's called right now. Oh, it's terrible. I'll have to look it up. It's a tiny little plant and it's got little heart-shaped leaves and it's, I don't know, it's technically a weed, I guess. It's got little delicate yellow flowers. And uh, I don't know, my mom, whenever I'm at her place and there's spare time in the, you know, warm months, she's getting me to weed for her and that she counts it amongst one of the weeds, but, oh, something oxalis. Yeah. I'll have to include it in the show notes so that I don't bore you all while I try and think of it, but yeah, it's something oxalis. Anyway, it almost looks like clover but the leaves are shaped like little hearts. I would offer my my breast milk to that plant. And that plant, it just felt like it suddenly was talking to me. Like it was seeing me. When I started walking through the woods, I started to feel seen but not by the woods. I always, there's, there's this place in the world where I go for walks and it's my favorite place in the whole world. And I've always felt seen by the spirit of that place and by my, you know, our earth, the great mother. But this was different when I would go walking I felt the trees seeing me and the plants seeing me. And I felt certain ones inviting me to learn about them. And it it was just a really cool thing that I started to notice. And I also had some really powerful experiences um, with animal magic, animal messengers. So Killian had come to me as, as those deer. If you listen to, I think my first episode when I first, um, about Killian, when I first, first got pregnant with him, um, his, the pregnancy was heralded, heralded by two deer. And after he died, I went to that place, my favorite place. I went driving in November. It was 
It was the day after my birthday. I had done nothing for my birthday, and then I cried at the end of the day because I hadn't. I had been alone all day. Alex had been working, and I just didn't do anything to celebrate or mark that milestone. And I, once I got to the end of the day, I felt how much I had cheated myself and dishonored myself by not celebrating. So the next day, I took myself to my favorite place. Alex was working again. Alex's way of coping was to just go back to school and work and work and go back to school and completely um, just just soldier on, I guess. Um, so he was he was gone quite a lot, uh, but that gave me a lot of space to sort through my own feelings and process my own experience. So I went. I went to my favorite place and went to a, a special beach. It's a wild beach. It's not like the water is all rocky and the beach is overgrown with beach plants and it's not a place where any tourists ever go ever. Um, but it's so beautiful. And while I was there, I saw a family of wild swans, two adults and two juveniles. and. I knew that meant that I was going to have at least one other child. Like, I just knew that that's what that meant. It, it was a very magical sighting. And then as I was leaving the park, I saw a golden eagle, which was wild. Like, they're, they're not common in this part at all at all <laughs> like I don't know anyone else who's seen one and certainly not around here and I didn't even know what it was when I saw it I just was driving by and I was like there's a five-year-old in the tree <laughs> it was huge <laughs> like I actually thought it was like Voldemort in the tree waiting to kill me and I I passed it and then I was like, I need to go back and look at that more closely. It was like three times the size of a turkey vulture. And so I turned my car around and drove back and there's all these other cars driving by, like paying no mind. And I was like, I don't understand how you don't see this five-year-old in the tree, this five-year-old sized bird. It's huge. So I stopped and I, I kept taking pictures with my phone, which, hmm, I'll put it up on the blog. I kept taking pictures with my phone. And as I got closer, like I, I was able to get pretty close before it flew away. I wished I had had my bigger camera, my DSLR. So I had it with me that day, but I just didn't have it with me. I just had my phone. But anyway, it was humongous. And it let me get like almost directly under it so I could really like examine the shape of its beak and its overall shape to try and figure out what kind of bird this was and then of course you know I just took one step a little bit too close in its comfort zone of safety and it it spread its wings and took off and the wingspan was impressive and I I just knew that that was you know, not to say that a bird is Killian, 
but that that was a message from Killian or it was a it was just a sign from Killian that he is with me and I have never I go I mean that's my favorite park in the world and I go there ask anyone in my life I go there all the time it's my life goal to live in that park which isn't really totally possible but I'm gonna figure it out I've been there going there my whole entire life legit and I've gone back many times since and I've never seen a golden eagle ever again in that park so far anyway (laughs) so it was the darkest year of my life by far and yet it was sprinkled with magic it really felt like the stars cutting through the blackness of night another thing that happened was that I, I also became aware of crystals. So Alex gave me one of the biggest gifts. I, I mean, yeah, he gave me one of the biggest gifts when he had the lucidity to create a ceremony out of Killian's passing. When he took me into that little crystal shop and we picked out some raw crystals like way overpriced because it was downtown in the city but it didn't matter and we picked out those crystals and he fasted and I ate and we prepared and we made as much of a ceremony as we could out of Killian's passing and we surrounded him with those crystals and put two of them in his hands and I sang him out of his life and that taught me the immense power and necessity of ceremony and ritual to mark the things that are important in our lives. And I mean, we are the ones, we are meaning makers. I mean, that's just already known about humans that nothing means anything. Everything is neutral from a panned out perspective. And we project meaning onto it. We make meaning. So we are the ones who decide what is worthy of ritual and what is worthy of ceremony. But I had never, you know, in this culture, when we are not raised in a particular religion um, or line of spirituality that has ritual and ceremony incorporated into it, then we're we are raised without that element. And I already had become aware that that was like um, a big hole in the collective Western consciousness, that absence of ritual and ceremony. But I was aware of it on an intellectual level like years and years ago when I was in art school. When, when Alex had the lucidity to do that, he showed he completely transformed something in me that showed me a way to honor honor what is no matter how much it hurts because it has power i think that was the last magic that alex ever performed after and still to this day he's completely shut it down and 
it just, it's like he just can't go back there again. He won't go back there again. He's freaking stubborn, but I love him. Um, and I kind of have taken over as the, the magic one. It's kind of, it was kind of a funny flip because before, before Killian, I had sort of um, abandoned a lot of my magic. I had kept manifestation, but I had abandoned a lot of magic because I had gone into um, a left-brained health sciences program and profession and received a lot of admiration and support for that path. And so, you know, and I equated right-brained and creativity and magic and all that with being rejected and feeling like an outsider and a loser and not knowing how to, you know, do life. And being left-brained and logical with being, like, successful, as so many people do. And, and so I had kind of um, shut a lot of that down. And Alex was the more actively magical person with, like, a devoted meditation practice. And, yeah, he would do energy healing on me and... And all that until after Killian died, then then it flipped. And, and I was the magic person and he was the non-magic person. Um, but that kind of put crystals back on my radar. And eventually, I think it was just leading up to Christmas, the first Christmas without Killian, I was kind of panicking and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I don't know if I can like go and just like have Christmas as if nothing and Alex introduced me to a YouTube channel called Spirit Science and I watched the episode about crystals and then I was like oh I need to go and buy some crystals we have to go back to a crystal store and luckily there was one like in someone's house in the middle of nowhere where we were living (laughs) And it's not there anymore. And she had some, she had an amazing collection. And I started collecting crystals. And I, it was similar to the being attuned to plant consciousness. I was very attuned to crystal consciousness and frequency. And, you know, not deliberately, I hadn't set the intention to do that. I just, I guess, you know what, it was just that I was open. I was so open to subtler vibrations and subtler energies because that's where Killian is that's where Killian is and I like it's just I'll do anything to be able to reach him and it's a little bit different now I don't feel like I need to reach him all the time and I have my hands full with a beautiful little toddler But at the time, I didn't, and all I wanted was my son. All I wanted was him. (sighs) So that was pretty amazing. And, And so all of my spiritual gifts began to really activate. Another thing I realized, too, was that the spiritual activation and the psychic gift activation also came as a result of the sacrifice of 
choosing to let him go for his sake. I, I received that. I don't remember when. I think I received this through the Akashic Records, this, this information. So at the time, I wasn't aware that that's what it was. But um, I received the, the insight that that's what created such a, an increase an increased activation of my spiritual and psychic abilities um, was that we chose to let him go. We, we put his, I don't know, I really don't know how to describe it. Like everything in me was screaming to hold on to him, to keep him here. It's the most counterintuitive thing in the world to allow your baby to die to like be the decider that gives somebody permission to remove the support that is keeping them alive and let them die and watch them die in front of your eyes it's the most counterintuitive thing we are hardwired to protect our our children and our babies and keep them alive so it was like going against everything in me to make that decision and see it through to let him go but the decision came from a place of like this is the most loving selfless thing that I can do for you it's the biggest gift that I am capable of giving to you and because that was that was the energy of that sacrifice. It, it resulted in, uh, like, it was like a spiritual up level. It was like going from being um, mushroom Mario to flower power Mario, if that makes sense. But it's only available if we choose to receive it. So it was sort of automatically granted, but I also had to accept it. And I guess that's what I mean when I, when people tell me that I'm handling this well, and a lot of people do, I feel like it's a choice. But I don't mean that in a way to, um, I don't know, to disrespect people who aren't, don't feel like they're handling hard things well. Like, oh, it's a choice. I don't mean it like that. I mean like something is always made available to you. I know this. I know this. I'm living through it. When you go through something hard, really hard, really dark, no matter what it is, there is always something made available to you in exchange but you have to choose to receive it. So, hmm. I think I'll leave it there for now. I'm gonna sign off for now, but I'll continue it. You won't even know. <laughs> I'm gonna take a break because I have to make dinner, <laughs> but I'll come back and talk about 
how how that first year of devastating grief led me to the Akashic Records. I'm going to take this naturally built-in opportunity to tell you about my new program, Magic Awakening. Do you like the idea of being magical, but you don't really believe that you are? But you wish that you were? But you don't really think you are? And you listen to other people's stories of their incredible experiences, and you wish that you could have those experiences too. You feel like you should be, or you could be, or you believe in them so much, but why aren't they happening to you? If you feel that way, friend, I get you. I spent so many years feeling that way myself. And it was a long process for me to really activate and awaken my own magic. But since I have, I can't even tell you how much happier and more fulfilled I am in my own life, in my own skin, how much more engaged I am with every little aspect of my life. So if this resonates with you, then listen on. And if not, then feel free to just skip through. So as I said, this is a 12-week live guided journey to help you discover, awaken, and activate your own magic. And we journey together through topics such as the universe and multiverse, multidimensionality, your starseed journey, your soul journey, and the Akashic Records, our cosmic origins, star magic and earth magic, ritual and ceremony, meeting your guides, the four clairs and beyond, telepathy and empathy, the dream world, astral travel, creative spelling and manifestation, metamorphosis, and more. It includes nine live modules on the above topics, as well as three live Q&A and intuitive guidance sessions. And I'm really excited to include those because not only are they sessions um, with opportunities to ask questions about the material we're exploring together, but also opportunities to ask more personal questions about your own magic unfolding journey. So for example, if you're coming up against blocks, but you don't know what they are, or if you just want extra confirmation about something you've experienced or received um, as you practice. It all takes place in a private interactive Facebook group, and it also includes exercises, guided meditations, and journal prompts to help you along the way. When you enroll for this program, you receive lifetime access to all the program materials as well as all future updates. This is very important to me because I have learned for myself that I am not somebody who does well with limited time only programs where you pay the fee and you get, you know, the 12 weeks access and maybe a little bit of extra time to go over the material. It just doesn't work well for me in my busy lifestyle as a mother as well as just my own natural learning abilities. I either like dive right in and digest things or go through things really fast and then need a lot of time to revisit it as I digest and integrate, or I move through things really slowly. And I sometimes I like takes me like three years to read a book because I read one chapter at a time and that chapter is so full of information that I can't move on to the next one until I've really integrated what I've just learned. So 
For that reason, it's important to me that when you enroll, you get lifetime access and you can use the program, the journey in whatever way suits your individual learning needs with no sense of having to rush through it. It also includes um, all future updates because you can bet I'm going to run this program again. And as I continue to grow through my own magic unfolding and learn new things, I will for sure be including them in future rounds of the program and you will have access to all of that too. If you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to message me or you can check out my, my website www.thenorthstarguidance.com where I have an information page up about it. We begin on April 20th, 2020, and I'm super excited about it. And I would so love to see you on the inside. As you can probably imagine, Despite all of the magic that I was experiencing after losing Killian, I was also having a very, very human experience of wondering why this happened. Why was it my son? Why did he die? I didn't, I didn't understand. He seemed so strong. He seemed like he was, he, he kept surviving the odds that were against him. I really thought that he was going to be here to stay with us, that we were going to take him home and watch him grow up and love him completely to bits and pieces. So why did this happen? And I did a very human thing in my wondering and agonizing over why, 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 why. I, of course, found the fault with myself. I don't know why humans do this to themselves. I really don't. But my faulting of self came in the form of obsessing over every everything I had done wrong in my life. Every, every time I had hurt someone, and I had hurt people a lot because I'm a human and that's what we do. That's what we freaking do. Even when we're very conscious, we play the role of the bad guy in people's lives. We do hurt each other and I've hurt people and I obsessed over that stuff. I obsessed over the ways I was an unworthy daughter and an unworthy granddaughter and and an unworthy mother about how I, I had to leave my oldest son to pursue a new career and how maybe I didn't deserve to have him. Maybe this was my punishment or maybe this was my punishment for having my oldest son in the first place because I was, my relationship with his father was just one that was not healthy. And, and I really, you know, and in, in one way of looking at it, I had no business having a baby with him, even though it's, at least for me, it's turned out to be the best thing I ever did. And I think it's that way for his father too. But, you know, I really focused on, on all of the guilt and shame that I had been carrying around about all of the ways that I was not a perfect person. And I wondered if, if I caused it to happen because, because of how I handled the, the dynamic between myself and my, 
mom and my sisters during the first trimester of this pregnancy. If you haven't listened to um, the story of the, the the multiple part story of Killian's Killian's little life and death, then um, I'll fill you in quickly that I got pregnant unexpectedly when I met his father, like very, very, very quickly, very quickly, and we decided that we were going to do this together, and we were both quite excited about it, and when I told my mom and my sisters, they, they just were worried about me and they didn't think this was a good practical idea. And they felt that I should terminate and they're not people who take termination lightly at all, but they just were worried about me and they were worried about my oldest son and they didn't think this could possibly turn out well. And so they couldn't really be supportive of me. And I felt extremely hurt by that. And part of the way that I coped with that hurt was to get very self-righteous about it and really milk it. And I would spend time, you know, sort of going down these trains of thought, these imaginary timelines of receiving some kind of bad ultrasound result or bad diagnosis that would mean that he was incompatible with life and I would lose my child and I wouldn't even tell them I would never we just at that point we weren't really talking to each other and so I just wouldn't tell them and I wouldn't let them help me and I wouldn't fill them in and you know like I I knew better I really knew better than to think about those things I was just hurt and I I let myself be indulgent and self-righteous about it of course I didn't want those things to happen at all but it was just that you know that hurt feeling like well I'm not going to and you know I'm not going to invite you to the birth and we're not talking anymore and I guess I'm just going to do this by myself without your support and even if that means that something bad happens and you know my heart breaks I'm still not going to tell you like just that kind of nonsense and just just you know, what humans do. And so fast forward to, of course, losing Killian. Afterward, I I completely tormented myself with this. And I thought, I caused this. I caused this because I thought about those things for those few weeks. And I, I attracted it into my life with the law of attraction. I called that timeline into my life. I caused this to happen. Oh, and I just destroyed myself. I just ripped myself to shreds internally as if the grief and the despair at losing him weren't enough. As if the heartbreak and the trauma were not enough. I felt that the best course of action would be to compound it by taking complete minute oral oral, moral inventory of myself and torment myself with you know the guilt and the shame for everything I'd ever done wrong I also thought that maybe I caused it because I remember one time when I was pumping um, my breast milk in the hospital we we were given these little sterile containers to collect it with because everything of course is very hyper focused on infection control um when it comes to preterm babies 
And as I was going to put the lid on the little sterile container, it fell and landed on the floor. And I had this thought, I was like, I didn't have any other containers to put it in. And I, I just had this thought that like, now I have to throw it out. And I just, for some reason, I just didn't. I was just tired, sleep deprived, stressed to the max. And I just reached down and picked it up off the floor and put the cap on and and put it in the fridge to be banked for him for his future use. And I tormented myself with that decision. Did I, did I introduce a pathogen to his body? Did I cause this to happen? Did I kill my son? Did I kill my son? I killed my son. One way or another, it was me. I did this. I killed him. Or maybe it was something that I did in a past life. Maybe I'm actually a horrible soul. Maybe I have so much to atone for. And my punishment is losing my second born child. You know, it was just that kind of tormented stuff. It was very hard. And yet, and yet there was a part of me that knew knew that it couldn't be that. Like I could feel how awful that felt. And I could feel that it wasn't true. I wouldn't really consciously allow myself to believe that. I wouldn't allow myself to to let myself off the hook. But I could feel that it wasn't true. I could feel that what was true is that he was a gift to me. And it was an honor to have him. It was an honor to move through this experience with him. But I needed to know why. And anybody who's gone through something big that has completely changed their lives and has felt traumatic understands the the need to know why this happened. It's like you can't, it's so hard to heal when you can't file it away properly in the place that it's supposed to go, where it's going to be the most, like the best fit, you know? And that's all we're really trying to do when I was tormenting myself. I was trying to process it and file it away somewhere, but it was, those were all the wrong places. They were not the right fit. And that's what I felt. That's what I felt. So while all this was happening, I was working as a room attendant at a resort and I was, um, you know, just cleaning hotel rooms and, and making beds. And I would listen to podcasts while I was working. And on a podcast, I heard um, the podcast host talking about his friend who reads the Akashic Records and how she could see so many things. And And the words Akashic Records felt like, it just, it felt like magic to me. Like when I heard it, immediately just hearing it, I felt activated. Like I felt like my antenna just started going off and I was like, this, 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 this. You have to go down this path. This is the place. Follow it. And so I started looking through his other podcast episodes, looking to see if there was any more, um, you know, if there was any interviews or anything with this friend. And, and gladly there was. There was an interview with his friend who reads the Akashic Records. And in the interview, she said that she, she learned how to read the Akashic Records 
through souljourneys.ca and I really don't even remember the rest of the episode. That was it. That was all I needed to hear was like, how do you learn? How do you learn to read the Akashic Records? And I immediately went to the bathroom and shut myself in a stall and Googled souljourneys.ca and I found Jennifer Longmore and her program on reading the Akashic Records. And I knew that I had to, I had to learn how to read them. Like I had to, it was not, it was not optional. It was my destiny. And so I, and it's interesting because I know I had heard the term Akashic Records before and I had been working in them for a long time, but I had no idea that's what it was. I know I'd heard the term, I'm assuming it was through Edgar Cayce, even though I had never read any of Edgar Cayce's books. He's the most, uh, like, sort of one of the, the most famous Akashic Record readers of of Western culture anyway. But I really don't know where I heard it. I just knew it felt so familiar, the term Akashic Records, that I didn't, there was no part of me that's like, what's that? I knew what it was. I knew what it was and I needed to learn it. So, so Jennifer Longmore's program through souljourneys.ca was, I looked at it and I looked at the price and it was like way more than I had ever spent on myself for anything other than um university <laughs> I think it was like something like 1200 US dollars something in that ballpark and she had a payment plan uh, which I had to use and it was really stressful to spend that much money but it was just like it, it was like whatever whatever I have to spend and I bought the the three level program um which takes you through reading the Akashic Records for yourself and reading the Akashic Records for others and then reading the Akashic Records professionally, I think. Like, so reading for others in like a, like, like for your friends and family, like in a non-paid way. And then maybe I think the third tier is reading them for strangers and such um, in exchange for um, money. And I think that's what they were. But anyway, I knew, I knew I had to, I knew I was, I was learning to read them for myself, but I knew I wanted to do readings for other people. Like it was just so clear to me. So I bought this program. I spent this money and I devoured the program (laughs) and she did an amazing job. It's full of extremely high vibrational information. It's it's really beautiful. She's a very, um, she has a lot of wisdom to impart. But it was so interesting because as I, as I consumed the course material, I realized right away that I already knew all this stuff. And not in an egotistical way, like, I already know this, but just like, oh, like, I already know this. I, I already know this. I already know how to do this. I, I didn't need anybody to show me. So in that sense, I mean, it, it was really valuable because it was validation and confirmation on a whole new level. I think it was a big turning point for me, actually, um, in validating all of the magic that I had always wanted to believe that I had, but had never really allowed myself to embrace. So it was the most 
expensive validation I've ever received, but what's money anyway? It comes and it goes. And now here I am reading the Akashic Records for people. And that was all I wanted. So (laughs) it was, it was the most expensive validation, but also it got me where I wanted to be. And her process for reading the Akashic Records was so simple. It was kind of laughable and yet it totally worked. So after I consumed all of the course material, I decided I was ready to try and read the records for myself for the first time. And I constructed a little um, like prayer to say, to open the records. And, and I decided I was going in with the big guns. I was like, I was not fucking around with any little questions that I didn't really care about the answer. I had one question that I needed to know the answer to. I needed it for my healing. I needed it so that I could, so that I could move forward and not get over it. Just allow the transformation to take place. And of course that was, why did this happen? So I created some quiet private space And I closed my eyes and I said the prayer I had made. And I felt this shift in my consciousness occur. And in my mind's eye, I could see the Akashic Records have never looked to me what, you know, like a library of books. It's just never been that way. So I could see something that was very familiar And I knew from the way that it felt that I was in this place where truth exists, capital T, truth. And I was so willing to receive the truth, no matter how terrible it was. I mean, I was willing to see lifetimes of like horrible, deplorable behavior that I was being punished for. I didn't care. I just needed to know what it was. And I think my willingness to see whatever it was is what allowed me to receive the answer right away on my first trip into the Akashic Records. And the answer that I received was actually very different from what my brain had been telling me. Very different. I saw, after I passed through the Akashic Records and it kind of opened up, I I was suddenly in a room, sort of. It was like an empty white space, but there was a long table. And I was sitting on one side and Killian's soul was sitting on the other side. And at the end of the table was somebody, a, a being, who was acting as the mediator. And I don't know why it was set up like this. I don't know if it's because I felt I couldn't connect with him directly. I I really have no idea. But anyway, this is how it, this is how it expressed itself to me. And I asked the question and Killian would telepathically transmit the information to the mediator who then would transmit the information to me. It kind of looked like if you're looking at like a a legal scene in a movie or a a show or something or like a a divorce proceeding where they're trying to like settle out of court and they're they're sitting with 
like they're sitting across the table from each other and there's a mediator at the end who's facilitating the meeting and that's kind of what it looked like anyway but there was no animosity or anything no no heightened emotions of um, conflict so I'm not sure why it was like that but when I asked Killian why why did this happen he told the mediator and the mediator told me or showed me I suppose it was all telepathic that in fact this had nothing to do with my karma or Alex's karma. In fact, it was not a punishment in any way. It was something that Killian's soul had desired to experience for the purpose of balancing out his own karma, so to speak. It was it was a balancing, it was a closing of the circle of um, a pattern of energy that had been set in motion in a previous lifetime. It was like bringing it full circle so that it could be complete. He wanted to experience a brief period of acute suffering. Uh, suffering isn't really the right word, but, uh, but, but that's the closest I can come to. Um, he, he needed to do it in order for his soul to be able to complete this, this energy pattern and move on to the next available thing. And on the soul level, he had asked Alex and I if we would do this with him. And we both agreed as souls. And we agreed because we we both had past life experiences with him and we we knew each other uh, on the the spirit side and we love each other and that's kind of how soul contracts work on the other side when we're not in human bodies it feels so there's so much love and we're just like of course of course i will do this for you and then when we come into human lives it's uh it's it's quite a different experience. He told me the reason that he came in unexpectedly and quickly at the very beginning of the pregnancy, the reason it felt like he snuck in, s- snuck in was because he wanted to give us the opportunity to change our minds. He wanted to give us an opportunity to, to terminate the pregnancy and decide not to go ahead with it in a way that would feel justifiable to us so rather than coming through as a planned pregnancy you know where you're not even going to consider termination he wanted to come through under circumstances where we could decide no actually now that we're here we don't we don't want to do this it's going to hurt too much and he gave us many opportunities to make this decision along the way And the reason that he chose Alex to be his father was because he knew that when things began to look irreversibly grim, Alex would absolutely have the strength to pull the plug, so to speak, and let him go. He knew that Alex had those values and that grit to be able to do that without question. Whereas... Whereas I, I don't know that I could have done that without Alex's certainty. 
And the reason he chose me as his mother was because through all the pain that he was going to be experiencing and all the suffering, I was going to love him so profoundly and so unconditionally that it was going to be like a soothing balm to the pain that would allow him to have this experience but not be alone in it. He knew that I would love him and want him no matter what, that I would want him even if he was born too soon and even if he became damaged or his body wasn't going to work right or his brain wasn't going to work right, that wouldn't change the degree of my love for him and my desire to have him. Even if he died, I was going to love him that my love is so unconditional that he doesn't need a body. He doesn't need to be alive in a body for me to love him. And that he would have stuck around for his whole, for like for an, a long natural lifetime if we had decided not to let him go. But that he was deeply, deeply thankful that we did. Because it was to resolve that, that was part of it, was that he was not going to choose his own end in this life. He wanted us to choose for him. And that was all the information that I needed in that session. It was... It, it came probably in a 15-minute period, and it felt so... I mean, I there are degrees of subtlety to it that don't translate into words. Degrees of emotion, layers of emotion and, and energy, kind of like a dream where you can't... You can't pull it down and turn it into words. There was so much information there that I felt truly complete, and I, I closed it out... I said, I said, thank you. And I transmitted so much love to him and I closed it out and I cried and cried and cried and I felt instantly healed, so to speak. And after crying hard for a few minutes, I then went into a very deep sleep and processed the rest of that information that was truly a turning point for me. When that happened, I no longer, I mean, there was no, it resonated in every particle of my being. Every aspect of me, it resonated as the truth. And it was nothing like what my brain had been telling me. It was so, like my brain had not considered any of that as a possibility. None of it. I felt so healed I felt I did not feel like a victim anymore in any way in any way I felt like of course of course that's why it happened and it was worth it and I love him that much I would do it for him again and again and again that I am strong enough to endure this pain so worth it 
And it was the, it was the turning point for me in so many ways. It was the turning point where I was then able to stop tormenting myself. I immediately stopped tormenting myself. There was nothing left to torment. It was like the, the, the vibration of the Akashic records is such truth and grace and love that you, you feel when you're in there that it is, there's nothing to torment yourself for, no matter how, you know, seemingly deplorable you've ever been. There's just, you're perfect. I'm perfect. We're all perfect. Forgiveness is the truth. So I was able to stop tormenting myself. I was able to understand that we had made this choice together and it was it was what was supposed to happen and that that he was gifting me with so many things in exchange for what I had done and and I had gifted him with the experience he needed to complete something that needed to be completed so that he could move on to new possibilities. I later, I later received more information about the lifetime that he had that required the completion. He had been in a war, uh, I, I believe it was World War I, um, but it was one of the Great Wars, the Great World Wars. And he had been in, um, like, in the same company as Alex in that life. And he reached, Killian reached a saturation point in that life. Of course, his name wasn't Killian. I don't know what it was. But he showed me that, I think it was World War I, because I feel like there was mustard gas. And it was just, there was horror. There was so much horror everywhere. And the trenches were full of water and piss and bacteria and rats and blood and it was so disgusting like the smells it was so vile and you're just having to kill people everywhere and watch your brothers get killed and you don't you feel so far away from your home and your mother and your siblings and your you know your sweetheart and your family and everything that is beautiful to you you feel so far away from it that you don't even know if it was ever real or this hell that you're in is all there is it's just it was maddening and all-consuming and such a horrible nightmare and he just couldn't handle it anymore and he committed suicide he chose for himself to leave that suffering and after leaving, he saw the effect that that choice had had on his, you know, his fellow soldiers and his family that, you know, to whom he never came home. And it wasn't that he needed to be punished for that experience. That's not how it works at all. It's just he needed he, he desired a do-over in a way 
he desired a do-over so that he could choose differently. So that he could then be complete with that experience and be freed to have new experiences and not have to carry that, that energy pattern forward with him into more lives. I didn't receive that information until, I don't know, maybe like a year ago. But it also, it wasn't the information I needed, but it, it just um, supported the healing that I experienced through that first trip into the Akashic Records. I came home and I told Alex about it. I told him it was a dream, that I'd had a dream, because I didn't really, I didn't think he would believe me if I told him that I had went, gone into the Akashic Records. Even though he is psychic and intuitive himself, um, he's he's very skeptical about it. I don't know. He's weird. He's a Pisces and a Gemini. So he has like a lot of duality anyway. So I told him it was a dream and I described the dream to him. I described the reason I didn't, I didn't have that information about the war. All I had was the information that this was something that Killian had asked us to do and that we had agreed to do it. And that so many Gifts were being made available to us in exchange. And Alex cried silent tears. His head was in my lap and I was stroking his hair as I was telling him. And he cried silent tears. And he told me that that made sense. And that he had also been tormenting himself with the belief that he had done something either in this life or in another life to deserve to lose his son and have this pain. And so that trip into the Akashic Records really released us both from that pattern of tormenting ourselves. It allowed me to heal. It, it was by far the most healing experience I've ever had um, in relation to my journey with Killian. And it also validated all of the enhanced spiritual uh, like clarity I was receiving it enhanced it it just it validated you know the fact that I could suddenly hear and feel the communication of plants and that I could I was receiving more animal messages than I had ever before and that I was able to start seeing auras and that I just was attuned to a more subtle frequency. It validated all of that. And it validated for me that, A, the answers are available to us and we get to have them. If it is in our highest good, then we get to have them. Meaning that there are, of course, things that are supposed to remain mysteries. That's an important part. I mean, that's what distinguishes, part of what distinguishes human life from you know, the, the spirit life is that we don't have all the information and we make, we have to learn how to make choices or experience making choices without having that, um, you know, complete view of, of the cosmic picture. 
but that we do get to have so many more answers than we generally believe we do, that it is in our highest good to understand things more clearly. It is in our highest good and we get to have the answers and it isn't hard. It isn't hard to find them. It validated for me that I am clairvoyant, I am claircognizant, that I receive psychic information. I started doing readings for people, free ones to practice at first for quite a while. And then I started having the courage to start charging. And, and it has been such a beautiful experience to be able to do that. One of my passions, although I don't want to undercut Jennifer Longmore because her program is truly beautiful, but one of my passions is that I really want to teach people how to access their psychic abilities and their and the Akashic records and their an overview of, of their soul journey without it, you know, feeling like it costs more than they can afford. It's so accessible and I want people to know how accessible it is. It's been an incredible, an incredible journey. It has been painful and dark and yet so beautiful, so full of love, so sublime. I honestly don't regret a single moment of it. And I know that I would choose the same again, that I do love Killian that much, that I do love him that much. And that although I continue to miss him and I will always miss him in this lifetime, he's really not gone. I haven't lost him. He is my son and that we will have other lifetimes together. And that we do have this lifetime together. He's still here. He just doesn't have a body. He's been with me before he was conceived He came to prepare me as much as he could. And then he was with me during the pregnancy. And he was with me for 20 days after he was born. And he's been with me ever since he was gone. And it really shows me that there is no beginning or end. There really truly is no beginning or end. Where was the point where he came in? There was no point. He's always been there. It's a lot like that when you have kids. I remember it was the same when I had Francis. That first night that I had him, <clears throat> that first night I remember just marveling, looking at him and marveling and thinking, You've, you're here. You've always been here. And it's true. Anyhow, well, that's my story about how I discovered the Akashic Records. I, oh man, I would love to hear from you any thoughts that you have, anything in response. I would love to hear if you're interested in learning about how to read the Akashic Records. It's included in my course or my program, Magic Awakening, but perhaps I'll create a little mini program just on how to read the Akashic Records. Let me know if that would be something that you'd be interested in. Um, yeah, 
and just let me know your feedback. I love to hear from you. I just heard yesterday from a new listener who let me know that she found the podcast and she's going through spiritual and psychic awakening and thanking me for making this podcast because it makes her feel like she's okay and she's not alone. And I I can't tell you what that means to me. It's the more rewarding than anything. When I hear from you and and you let me know that this is positively impacting your life, it just it just fuels my fire to keep going. So thank you so much. Every time somebody reaches out to me, I appreciate you so much. And even if you don't reach out and you're just quietly listening, I feel you and I love you. You are all so magic. You are so amazing. You are so much more than you think you are. So much more. I hope by now, if you've been listening for a while, you're starting to realize that, but you've probably always known it was true. You've probably always felt the truth of that. And we're just working to decondition from all the things that would have us believe otherwise. Anyway, okay, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well, my friends. Thank you so much for being here with me through this episode. You are beautiful, magical, and powerful. You are so appreciated. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And I hope to catch you on the next episode. Thank you.